Hello and welcome to the Kino Collective podcast. Today we have myself, Kitty, Chloe and Solomon. And we also have a very special guest, Jay, who we're excited to welcome back. He's a member of the Kino Collective. Hello, Jay. Hello. Thank you for having me back. And today we're going to be discussing David Lowry's 2017 A Ghost Story. So let's get started. First of all, what did you think of the film? Uh, Did you enjoy it or not? And why? Well, it was slow, wasn't it? Really slow. That's the point. I loved it. I don't think I've ever actually, even in, in real life, watched someone eat a pie for that long. Like, <laughs> it's just, it's not something that happens really, is it? Oh, I write in my notes. Oh, it's, oh wow. Okay. It, I need seems to like a, it seems like a John Lewis Christmas advert to Xanax. Because it just seemed like <laughs> one of those things where it was like, there was so much about it. It was yeah. so like long and and you think it it was good i didn't mind it but there was lots of parts of it where i just thought it's very oh to be fair how could you compare it to a john lewis christmas advert no no that is so spot on a john lewis advert that is pretty much what it felt like there's a big divide here (laughs) how in any way is it like a john lewis christmas advert it's just like the one where it's like it's it's the the subtitle was in in the window and it's like the the one where they were on the moon and there was it was like, oh, I can see you from the moon. And then they wave at each other. But it was yeah, like that, like, except it was extremely depressing. John and Lewis like had to make as you well. cry because you feel pointless afterwards, though. <laughs> yeah, that's true. To be fair, that film did, did really, it felt like it attacked me a little bit. You know, you just kind of sit there and go, well, now it what? It attacks reality, certainly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was, thought, yeah. To be honest, I do see where you're coming from, Solomon, about the fact that it was John Lewis advert. It's it's kind of just got that. It's kind of got the vibes to it. It's got a feeling to it, you know. It's like the score underneath, the, the slow moving, the lack of dialogue. And I'm not saying it was a bad film. Like, to be honest, parts of it I did enjoy, but parts of it I did just feel like they went on for so long. The parts I didn't enjoy, I really didn't enjoy. But the parts I did enjoy, I did really enjoy. So it's sort of a massive split, like the long shots at the beginning just weren't necessary. I was just really bored, like when they were in bed yeah. and they were just kissing. I, I, I went to get myself a cup of tea and it was still the same shot. <laughs> I do so... actually remember sitting there while I was watching it thinking, wow, come on, I mean, either either roll over and go to sleep or actually, you know, you know, you know, like, I was like, come on, do something. Fun fact. Fun fact about that, Rooney Mara did actually go to sleep in that shot. Um, so did I nearly. But they are, this is, I, I'll say it now, I'll speak so highly of this film because I do think, uh, uh, David Lowry is, I think, one of the filmmakers I respect the most. And it's for the inclusion of those really, really long shots. And I think they probably are, which yeah, I think it's interesting that you've just said Solomon that they're completely pointless. I'd say they've got the most purpose in the film because I think what the film is doing is it's showing you the, this person, the life and death of this person and their relationship. It, it's, he, he said that he's included these shots to, to try to make you uncomfortable, to try to make you think, what am I doing here? And then becoming aware of what you're watching and aware of the fact that you are just watching these people 
doing nothing and it, it I feel myself personally that it it makes it even more realistic like the infamous pie shot it's it's unbroken it's just it's real it's it's pure there's no editing it's it just is what it is like life there's no editing in life I, I, I see that I, I see where that's coming from when I, when I was watching that I, I sort of understood that was the aim they were going for but I just thought for 45 minutes to be sitting and watching it didn't the first because it's like an hour and a half long it's perfectly an hour and a half so the first 45 minutes I just sat and thought this is uh, there's nothing really interesting about this and then the, the last 45 minutes where he started like throwing the plates I think from that point onwards I sort of saw it as something a bit different like the emotions actually came out in it but I just think that the first 45 minutes I saw where it was coming from it just didn't grip me enough yeah like to be honest Jay now that you've said that I do have more of an appreciation for those long shots and it was like that first one when they're in bed and then um <clears throat> it's like afterwards like the next kind of shot is him on the steering wheel and you're like oh okay and I kind of just sit there and go oh so that's the relevance of that shot and it makes more sense because it's like their last night together so it kind of like makes more sense as to why it's there and you're like oh okay um it's kind of like when you um when you you realize afterwards that it's important that you saw it but while you're watching it you're like what's the point in this but it's only afterwards when you look back on it you're like oh so that's well like point. isn't isn't that quite significant though it's only afterward like that are you saying that makes me think like you say it's only afterwards that we realized how important it is i feel like that's the overall message of the film you know like I'd say yeah that's the party the scene you know where he's talking about um life and death um I mean, the first time I watched that, I sat through and I had that exact thought. I was like, like, this sounds quite deep, but it is quite a deep film. You know, like how important and how significant life is, really. Um, and yeah, the film just plays on that constantly. And like, adding to what Jay said as well, I feel like the long shots really allow you to kind of ponder on your thoughts. So even if nothing kind of significant is going on, within that specific scene, um, you know, without kind of having to appreciate the cinematography, um, you're kind of left with just, yeah, with your thoughts really of the previous scene um, and left to kind of ponder on what Lowry is kind of trying to present to audiences um, and the messages that are kind of portrayed throughout the film. That's why I really enjoyed the long shots just because it, it's really, I find this with a lot of Malik films as well. They're really films, you can, I can only watch them at certain times, times where I have to mentally prepare myself before to be in a film where I'm just completely immersed and having time to just ponder on very deep thoughts. Um, so it's really, I feel like it's more of an experience uh, than a lot of films offer, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. I had no idea what I was getting into, so I sort of wasn't in that mood when I was watching it. I was sort of just, just another film I was sitting down and going to watch. And it's called A Ghost Story. So I, the first thing that went through my head, I, I, I didn't know anything about it. So I just thought it would be like a, a, a film, a horror film or something like that. I didn't really know what I was getting myself into. And so when I watched it, I might have been the reason why I was looking at all these long shots and thinking, oh, this is a bit boring. But then towards the end, I sort of, I understood it more, but the end is meant to be more deep and things like that. I was meant to say more than the first half, I'd say. So I think the the first half, 
I wasn't really in the right mood to watch it. The second half, it was sort of the messages it was saying. I, I could sort of understand that a lot more. It's a new branch of horror. It's existential horror. Oh yeah, I can I can see that. I've never really yeah. seen a film like it before. Yeah, I, I can agree, agree with that, that. Actually, yeah, I've never seen a film like that. This kind uh, of brings again. It's unique, completely. Yeah, this kind of brings me on to the next point, which my original uh, question was: Have you ever um, before watched any films that could be classed as slow cinema? But I'll also add into that: Have you ever wa- watched any existential? Um, films or films of you know the similar genre to a ghost story no yeah i don't think i have i'd say after a ghost story because i saw it two years ago maybe and i that sort of i sort of said to myself i need to find more like that so i did go out and like you compared it to malik already watched the thin red line tree of life um other slow cinema it's it's not i don't think it's a particularly common genre definitely not anymore but um yeah it's it's one i always look out for it's, there's some that you could maybe class as slow cinema but still appeal to a, a few more genres like 2001 space odyssey um I would definitely be considered Tarkovsky's film. Yeah. 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 No, I definitely agree. Malik, um, I had the same kind of thing, but the other way around, I watched The Tree of Life, actually very recently, only about a year ago. Um, And um, that, like, blew my mind. And I was so desperate to find films like it. Um, So I watched this and um, Mother. I don't know if you've seen Mother. Um, I forgot who that's by. Uh, that's but that's Aronofsky, isn't it? Yeah, 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 it, yeah. yeah. You're right. Um, that's another one. Those films that kind of left me like in a complete state. Also, weirdly enough, Artificial Intelligence by Steven Spielberg. It's. it's I mean, I really recommend it to anyone because it's. It. It's. It's just a one. One of those films like this film, which just leaves you in a complete state of pondering on life and death and um, uh, uh, yeah, I, I won't say any more about that film, but it, it's, it, I, yeah, it's amazing. I think one I've seen is Darren Aronofsky. sitting on the shelf. Um, Watch it. Pie, has anyone seen Pie? It's like the first yes. film we made. I think it sort of reminds me of that a little bit. If I had to pick one film which I've seen, because A, I had no idea what was going on in it really. And well, I, I had I, I knew what was going on in this one, but but in that film I just didn't really know, uh, and it reminded me of that just because it's so slow burning and it was just really confusing at points, and he wasn't really saying much, and it that, that's what reminded me of this one. It was just something completely different. So yeah. it's definitely got that same sort of existential. There's not really a point to what's going on. Mm. I, I think the ending the ending is quite similar. Visually, and the horror, the horror, and the way it tries to do horror. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Um. So I guess we kind of answered this briefly, but um, do you guys enjoy that kind of style of filmmaking, style of uh, s- storytelling, and um, 
within the constraints of this film or did you feel at times possibly bored or longing for some type of action i i liked it in the like if i saw a film described similarly i wouldn't shy away from it but there were definitely like some moments the pie eating scene i was like this is this is really going on you know like when when is this gonna end um i saw somewhere on the little like thing about it that that from the minute she sits down and starts eating the pie to the minute she gets up and runs to the toilet four continuous minutes exactly four minutes and i was like i just sat there and watched her eat a pie for four minutes and it kind of made me a bit uncomfortable i think that's just a, a me thing in that i don't like the noises of people eating and like seeing people eat is a bit like you know um but that yeah that scene was the one that i kind of went wow is anything actually going to happen in this film because that comes quite close to when they're in bed and there's that scene that goes on for a while when you're just kind of looking at them from above as they're laying in bed um so definitely times where i was like okay this is really going on like a long time maybe longer than it needs to but i guess i i guess maybe that's his point maybe that's what he wanted is he wants people to sit there and consider okay this is going on for a while and then you start thinking about it and you start like really thinking about it so i guess that's the point and i kind of liked that it encouraged you to think but he then, calls yeah. he calls those pairs of shots the the two audience tests the first shot which i think is about two minutes maybe a bit less but um if you can get through that one then you get to test two which is the four minute pie eating if you can get through that, the rest of the films, it's going to be easy. Yeah, because there wasn't really anything like that after those, after the pie-eating scene. It didn't really go on like that afterwards. What I, no. I really love about the pie-eating scene is it's the film kind of goes from focusing, honing in on individual um, pains and individual suffering of this one woman who's you know lost the person that she loves, um, but as time progresses, as the film progresses, just as time progresses within the narrative, um, that we kind of zoom out and see all of those fears and across society. You know, we um, it goes from her individual pain, and we I, I I love that scene. I think it's so raw, and um, her performance is amazing, and um, it really just hones in on uh, like the suffering that she feels. Um, but then as we zoom out, um, we realise how it, like, I, by the end, you realise how insignificant that scene was, you know, like, in comparison to, you know, time and everything. And I really love how Lowry does that. And I th we kind of talked about this before, just immersing, like, uh, completely immersing us within these themes of time and memory and loss. Um, and yeah. The thing is, you sort of feel like the ghost in a way, because you're just, all the shots are really still, and just you're just watching it like the ghost is. I don't know, I guess, I guess we call it the ghost, which is the person viewing all the things. But the only, the only other film I've seen that does these really, really long shots for like four and five minutes, and it's the same genre, it's, it's meant to be horror. It's um, Funny Games. I don't know if anyone's seen it, but it's a really horrible film. And it's like a, a torture film. But it, it's it's like the two opposite You're sides selling of, it to us. of the. It, it's like the two opposite sides of the, uh, the like the the genre. So there's there's this sort of horror which makes you think, and then there's 
the other side, which it does the same thing with the long shots. It's just how you do it. It's how you put these shots. Because in, in funny games, it's sort of the camera's staying there and you're just watching a family get tortured and they're literally off the side of the frame and you can hear screaming. It's just, it's not a very nice film, but, but this film sort of does it in a completely different way and it just puts you there and watches all the action. And I could say, I think I preferred this film, even though I thought it was incredibly depressing. I, I think I prefer the way this film does it because it, it even though you're not watching them do anything for like four minutes long, it, it it's a really like strange effect and a good effect on you. Unlike people just getting tortured, which is as much as it is more action, it's not very entertaining after a while, after an hour and a half of it. I think one thing that I really liked about this film was the way it showed like the passing of time because it's only kind of, I think for me it was it was when the party scene happened. That's when I kind of clocked that that time was passing quite quickly and we weren't really being told about it. Because it, it it for some reason it took me a while to to like understand that the family um, had like moved in after her and then suddenly the party and all that kind of stuff. So like, and then the scene that really stood out to me in terms of like how he showed the passing of time was when. Uh, kind of nearer to the end I think when there was the little girl in the field and the family like he goes from the city to like back to the field um and there's the family and then you kind of just saw her body on the floor and then it jump cuts and her body's like decayed and then it jump cuts and it's like a skeleton you're kind of like oh whoa okay so time is passing like really fast and we've got no idea but then oh wait he's gone back to the beginning and he's then seeing it all again and like seeing himself and then, like, literally right before it happened, I just went, oh, my God, he's the dude who pressed the piano. It's just kind of like this big, like, cycle. And the thing I liked about it was how it did that. And it's one of those films that, like, it finishes and you kind of go, whoa, whoa. And then, and then like, an hour later, you realise you're still thinking about it. And you're still thinking, like, what did happen? And you're like, oh, wow. So he was, he was the dude who pressed the piano at the beginning. It's kind of just weird when you think about it like that. And it's like, I thought that was something that it did really well. And I don't think I've ever seen another film do it. it exactly. And like, I love that so much, that de the, the decaying body and how like, you know, how that's just like forgotten about over the... <laughs> yeah. Sorry, that sounded quite I love that so much, the decaying body. body. Wow. <laughs> Make sure that stays in. <laughs> No, yeah, I, I, I loved the um, use of the jump cuts to show the decaying body. Um, not because I love decaying bodies, but um, just because it proved the insignificance of that one death in comparison to, you know, he, he uh, what's his name? Um, Casey Affleck's character. I think he's called, he's called M C. Or something. He's C. C yeah. And she's yeah, M. and then, yeah. Um, he, you know, they move into this house so unaware of its past and it just makes everything in time seem so insignificant. And you're right in saying that there really is no other film like it. Because even someone like Terence Malick, you know, I'd say A Tree of Life is similar. But A Tree of Life ponders on uh, the importance of life, the importance of small moments in life. This does the complete opposite. And that's why in many ways I think this is probably one of the most real things I've seen because Hollywood you know it paints a picture of everything in this way that makes you feel so important and so you know 
it, it just makes you think in a certain way um but this really just kind of brings brings you back down to earth after this viewing um and you're right i i i still don't stop thinking about it and every time i see it i it's on my mind for weeks afterwards i saw someone compare it to um interstellar i know that sounds really stupid but it was a comment somewhere and it was it was like the end of interstellar i haven't watched it for years i watched it when it came out but he's like looking for a bookshelf and have you seen Interstellar? Because at the beginning, he's there's something to do with this bookshelf, and he's like, there's something behind it, and then it turns out right at the end that he was the person behind it, just in space. I don't know if anyone can elaborate on that more, but um, that's it. I, I sort of understood what it meant at same degree. Interstellar is one of these really big budget films, which is set in out of space, or this is one of these really like small enclosed films set in one house, and. And to compare it to something like that is quite unique, I'd say. But I don't know how, how well the comparison really goes when, when I think about it. I think there's one aspect which is sort of similar, but then a hundred things which are different. Theoretically, I think there is, it's, they both study time. Um, and they look, they, I, I guess they do both look at um, life and, and the passing of time and mortality. But... Um, I'm not a fan of Interstellar. I haven't seen it, so I can't comment on that. But there was definitely... It reminded me, if you've ever seen um, the TV show The Haunting of Hill House? Yes. There was the same element in that with um, Nell and the bent neck lady. And it's how right at the end you discover that this, like, thing that's been haunting her this whole time is actually her. And just sort of kind of in a different, I guess, timeline. And I do like I remember like sitting at the end of this film just going, Oh wow, that's so clever. And she like and then it's it's when like he's sat, like the ghost is sat and he sees the other ghost watching her still. And it's like, oh god, and then you kind of think about how many times can this happen? Like how many times does this go over? And it was yeah. And then also like actually no, I'll save that before we talk about the end. I like the idea it poses that all of time just happens at once it's not uh, it's not a blind of something that that does happen um it's just this one moment and everything you can just travel through that um endlessly it's i i need to stray away from saying a big ball of time inserting an unnecessary doctor who quote but that's the only way i can think about it i've been conditioned yeah it's all happening at once and that's what the film is saying i like yeah. that i like that idea of thinking about it I, I really like that idea as well so um obviously it's got quite a significant aspect ratio which um although it was probably one of the first scenes i've um, films i've seen with this aspect ratio although it seems a lot more popular um to make films like this now what were your thoughts on that um did you like it or did you feel kind of took away from the film at any point it was one of like the first things i noticed when i started watching the film i was like oh i kind of went, oh that's kind of fun like like the rounded edges and i was like so what is it like to me it was kind of reminiscent of like an old home movie kind of shape um so i was like oh okay this is kind of fun and then i think as it went on i just stopped noticing it because i was thinking more about the film but like right at the beginning, I was like, oh, okay, that's kind of fun. But I don't, I don't think it changed any of the film for me. Like, I don't think it made anything different. Like, it wouldn't have been 
better without it and it wouldn't have been worse without it i i'm I'm going to prove myself again as the resident david lowry obsessed um i he i've listened to an interview with him he just talks about the aspect ratio for about 10 minutes and it it was done seemingly for the very similar reasons that's the long shots and he he really really wanted to just push it home that you were watching these two people and he wanted to make it or he wanted to present it in a way that you couldn't really escape the fact that you were watching a film you were observing these people and what they were doing but um I, I i thought about that when i was watching it for the second and third time but um i i never really the third time i didn't didn't really think about it too much and i was thinking more it looks visually pleasing it looks really nice and i think look it's not quite square but it, it's not it's not the big wide screen that we're used to and i think it's claustrophobic in a in a in a sort of nice way i think the rounded edges just make it it's satisfying it's satisfying to look at it is like a like an old an old camera yeah it, it kind of reminds me of like you know you see like a old like super eight home footage it really reminded me of that the first time i saw it which i think aesthetically definitely adds a lot um but i also agree it, it in it puts you in the shoes of the observer um, and kind of makes you a powerless viewer, you know. Um, yeah, that's all I've got to say, really. I think that the tint or the the way it, it wasn't necessarily the shape, it was the, like how, I can't remember the word, like the tint of the, the background made it look kind of vintage and stuff, which had more of an effect to me. Like, I just thought the the screen being in a, was it was it 4-3, I think? Yeah. For free aspect ratio, I thought it was, it it was all right, but it didn't really do anything for me. It was just the way the like, the hazy look of it, which made it more, sort of dull and not dull, just like strangely looking different for a film and made it more nostalgic, which is sort of what it plays on. It plays on the the past, the present, and the future, which is sort of, what what got me with that. Instead of the the, the aspect ratio, it was more of the way it actually looked. Uh, yes, yeah, Solomon, I, I definitely agree with that. So um, are there any scenes in particular that stood out to um, you guys and why? Other, I don't want to mention the two really long shots again because that would be half of the podcast about that. Um, I think the ending stuck out for me because I thought it was really good and everything. The only thing that ruined it for me was the use of music. I thought this oh. whole film used music really, really well. I wrote my note. Wait, let me look at my notes. I wrote a note and it said the music was really good until the last scene where it started using like garage band electro drum kit sounds to the outro. And it's like the whole film was, was really nice piano and it just felt really like astral and stuff like that. And then it got to this last bit and, and it's just like some electro drum D&B something or other and it just started kicking and I just thought it really ruined the mood for the ending which was was really good that that was just me I just thought that's how it I thought it helped it move on because we had been seeing this struggle of this of this guy who had been going through his life again and again watching his pain 
or, or watching the life that he had knowing that it had ended um and then we get this chance we we move from this quite downtrodden choral music to something different something new something i felt was a bit more upbeat which is a contrast to i'm not sure how other people read it but it could be read as quite a happy ending he is he completed or is he destroyed at the end it's never really said and i like that that sort of open ending but i yeah i i thought it moved it on quite nicely yeah like the, the ending o- sorry no you go um yeah the ending kind of stood out for me in that he he reads whatever it is and you're like what is it but but we don't know and i obviously you kind of get the kind of oh that was really annoying feeling like, oh, I'm really annoyed. Like I wanted to know what it said. Like now I just kind of feel incomplete. Then maybe that's the point. You're meant like if it if it had a resolution, I think you're less likely to think about it. But the fact that it doesn't have a resolution, it means it plays on your mind more. So I think that's like the main point of it. Um, but I definitely that final scene did stick with me because I kept on just thinking, what could it possibly have been that he he saw and that he read on that piece of paper that caused him to completely disappear. Because the other person that disappeared, their like house was destroyed. But him, what was it? You know, so it really that bit definitely stood out to me. That's the it's other like, thing. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say, uh, I think with him reading the note, it's like that whole thing about ghosts. You know, there's that whole, um, what do I call it? Not really theory, but like whole idea Mythology. that. Yeah, in a way, like the whole idea that ghosts. Uh, you know go to um come back um not to haunt but to if they've got like unfinished questions or um, something unfinished in uh life and i think that i i kind of read it like um when he reads the paper he's satisfied and he 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 finds out what he's supposed to and what he's wanted to know i guess i don't know um but i think jay was gonna come onto this scene as well but um I'll talk about it quickly since we're talking about significant scenes. But the scene in which the other ghost um, kind of dies off um, is for sure my favourite scene and the most significant scene in the film. I think it's the line, um, I don't think they're coming. Um, Chills literally, honestly. The first time I watched it, I just started crying. I don't know what it was. It's such a a blunt line um i honestly i can't it's an indescribable feeling sorry i can't expect (laughs) yeah how cold i am right now just even thinking about i know and then he just emotional dies it's it's, uh yeah i'll get get terry talking (laughs) about it but um this is how passionate we are about the film (laughs) yeah um that I, 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 I've always thought if there's anything that it was on the note, I, I'm, I, I am always torn whether it's something good or something bad on the note. And I think it might have something to do with that other ghost and the other ghost disappeared um, when they realised there was no point anymore. 
Now, I, I do think the note said something along the lines of I'm not coming back or some, something. I've, I've now set everyone off. Um, yeah, but I, it's an existential film. I don't imagine it's too happy. Another scene which I really love um, is when he's standing in front of the, um, the kind of vast array of skyscrapers on top of what was once his, you know, humble little home um, is now kind of lost within this sea of the modern world. Um, so moving on to the next point, um, what were your thoughts visually on the idea of just basically a man with a sheet over his head? Did you? Uh, did you feel that kind of, again, I'm saying this, but did you feel it added or took away, uh, took you out of the film in any way? Or, um, what you, yeah, what were your thoughts on that? I thought it made it better. I thought that's what made it, because if, if they had Casey Affleck running around or, or walking around a house, just half, half there, just sort of transparent, I think that would have been... I, I like that there was quite a lack of special effects. It, it was it, you don't think of it as a film, although I think there was quite a lot of special effects used. It's not it, it, visually; it, it's a very physical film, and I like that. I thought it worked, and it, it's it's like um, when you think of a ghost, or when when a lot of people think of a ghost they would think of someone with a sheet over their head. So there's not the introduction of a very new concept of what a ghost could look like, missing a face, missing eyes, missing mouth, whatever. It's just this very well-known image that you get used to. Yeah, it, 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 I think a lot of people might find it humorous to start with, but you get used to it. Yeah, I thought it was quite fun to like play on the idea of the essentially a goof, really, isn't it? But it was quite yeah. fun to like play on that because I thought, well, if you think about it realistically, if you imagined that they did it any other way, it probably wouldn't have had the same effect. Like, I think it was the fact that it just made you appreciate it more because there was no facial expressions, but somehow you still kind of you could you could get what he was feeling, like when she when she like comes home with another man it cuts to him and you're like, yeah, he's got no facial expression, but you can tell that he's like hurt. Um, and I kind of, yeah, I just liked, I just liked it that it was, it was different and it was original in a non-original way, if that makes any sense. Like it's not an original idea, but it's an original way of showing it. Um, Cause yeah, if, if they did it any other way, like they had the same actor, but they made him see through or something, it just wouldn't have worked as well. And it would have taken it away from the film. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. It feels like at times, like one of the scenes that stood out to me with um, that sh with the sheet was um, when she when she moves out, when she leaves the house and she drives away, and he's watching at the window, and almost like you forget you're just looking at a blank sheet. It feels like he he's got a kind of sad facial expression. It it almost like this is a weird link, but sometimes when I uh, watch black and white films or subtitle films you forget over time that you're um, that the film's in black and white you just kind of your yes. brain reverts to it being in color and when it's like a foreign language film you just you feel like you're hearing the words rather than just reading them it was the same with this I felt like I was able to read 
his facial expressions without actually being able to do so. So yeah, for me, it was really effective. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, and it was really original, I felt as well. Um, but it also, like, um, like you said, Chloe, it added an element of comedy to the film, just a, a bit of humor, which I feel like a film so dark possibly, you know, needed. And it did that well in a, in a very kind of subtle way. The eyes are so sad. I think that's what it is. There's not really a moment in the film where he would be happy, but the the eyes are slanted down, and I think that that just perfectly shows. And then you you choose which way to shoot him, but it's so effective. Just the eyes. I think it proves that that is the key to performance. So what you do with your eyes. Definitely, yeah. Um, okay, so before we kind of conclude on final points of the film, um, I was wondering just what uh, your final opinions on the uh, final scene were. As I've said, I thought it was all right, except from the like final moment where they start playing electro drum kit sounds, and I just thought it really ruined the mood completely. I thought it was it was a good final scene. It was very ambiguous the way you open the note and it was like, what does it say? But other than that, I just thought, A, I wanted to know what it said because that was the purpose of the film, basically. We didn't. And B, the music sort of ruined it. But I still thought it was a good ending. Because he's like... Yeah, I will add to that in saying that I think the music throughout the entirety of the film, it's one of my favourite soundtracks. I really love it. Um, But that track that plays, I think... it's the one that plays at the end, the electronic kind of drum beats, and he plays it to her during the film. Um, yeah, during the film. Um, I felt it just, I don't know what it was about it. I just, I think it's just probably because I don't like that genre of music that much, but I really, really felt it took something away. That, that would be, honestly, my only criticism is that track alone, um, just because it, it doesn't feel like it fits in with the film at all. I actually read... Um, that the composer, um, forgotten his name, Daniel Hart. I feel like, yes, Daniel Hart. Um, I was listening to a podcast with David Lowry, and it was um, an original track of Daniel Hart's. It's called "I Get Overwhelmed," and um, and he heard it, David Lowry, and uh, decided to include it, which I think is quite cool. But also, um, I just really don't. I really don't think it fits in. Um, not well, so I will agree with you on that. But the ending for me, other than that, I think, well, we've kind of discussed it um, quite a lot with him reading the note, whether it's kind of a positive or negative thing that's written on the note. Um, but I loved it, yeah. Although you're kind of longing to know what's written down, I feel like it's perfect that you don't find out. Um, just, um, yeah, yeah, sorry. I think it's a, it's one of the really few perfect endings. There, are, when I'm watching a film, there'll usually be a point where I think, please, please, please end now, and it hardly ever happens. But as soon as the sheet collapsed, I thought, if it ends now, it's perfect, and it ended. Now. I almost applauded because it just felt so completed, and it there was nothing there was nothing more to be said. Or there, there was, there was a lot more that could have been said, but it would have ruined the effect 
of what had already been said and it just felt it felt right but imagine if it just like ended after the four minute pieting scene just how disappointing the film would be the thing is there was no I, all jokes aside there was a a theme of like right at the beginning when he could go towards the light and he sort of ignores it and goes home instead and walks across the field to his house which was one of the 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 few bits which sort of was quite mu- moving but then um the fact that he sort of did it at the end and he sort of disappeared which sort of signified that he was going towards the light i i sort of enjoyed that bit quite a lot i forget about that scene but i think that is i think it's because it's so near the beginning but it is weird to think about what would have happened if he had gone through there I think the End sad the part is <laughs> the sad part is of that as well as the fact that like he chose her but she left and she didn't choose him. I thought that bit was quite sad when she left. And I was like, oh my god, this really is like she she wanted to morality. move out. Did she or did he have the right to expect her to stay? And the whole thing of the note, it's like she wouldn't have known that he's going to come back and watch over her. Mm. Um, so what, whatever's on the note must be something very honest from M's character. You know, something that she didn't really expect anybody to find. One thing that, that I think we, sorry, that I think we forget is that earlier in the film, he's scratching at that same point. So like, how do we establish it's from her? What if it's not? I think we see her put it in. You mean the note? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, Wait, do we, do we see her put it in? I think I might have missed that bit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I apologize. Also, the bit at the beginning where she says, after every house I leave, I put a note in the wall. Sort of. Oh, this... I really, I really missed that bit. The first bit was quite, I didn't really understand the significance of the first bit. Only the note in the wall, then it was sort of uh, moving all the stuff out. Oh. But. I think that was the, the, the relevance of it. The note in the wall with something she always leaves and every house she leaves just in case she comes back for it. Yeah. And he wanted to see what, what, what has she written on this note. And we never find Sorry out. Sorry to so. shoot your theory down. Yeah, no, it's cool. I, it was just me not being very observant, I think. What I like about that note is that only Rooney Mara knew what was on it. David Lowry said, write something on there that you'd like to write don't show anyone else and it, it did apparently go down with the house that's really interesting I didn't know that yeah um, they're the kind of movie facts I like you know uh, <laughs> yeah. here's another one uh, Rooney Mara doesn't like pie no she doesn't like that pie she said that it oh, was, was it? vegan it chocolate and it was disgusting apparently oh wow okay Thank it didn't look very nice moving my fact uh, well, no, I, I, thought, I thought it looked uncooked. I was like, is she just eating raw pastry? Yeah, the, I, I mean, chocolate pie kind of grosses me out anyway. It's not I'd rather have thing. the squid from a... What's it called? <laughs> just looks much more appealing. The octopus from Old Boy. <laughs> yeah, that was it. The octopus, yeah. We've got two contrasting scenes here, which sort of comes together. Imagine if that one was four minutes long. Imagine. Anyway. Anyway, yeah. Going so, slightly off topic. To conclude, I really want to know what you took from the film. 
after finishing what were your kind of final thoughts and what were thoughts that you pondered on as the credits roll to be honest one of like the biggest things that i took from it was like how oh god this is so cliche but it's like the fact that you should like appreciate the life you've got and like appreciate the life while you're living it because he he was like quite young um right at the start of the film where like he looked at um when he dies and you're like oh my god who's so young and like you appreciate like yeah just kind of appreciate the happiness as you've got it you know or like, don't like look back on it and think god i wish i appreciated that like while you're happy like appreciate it you know because they like they often the scenes they tend to go back to mostly are ones where they're not very happy so like that one scene of them in bed together it was like a happy scene but you don't really go back to that so yeah that's just kind of what i took from it i sort of took like maybe think bigger because it sort of just feels like this whole time he's thinking about the world and the 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 speech in the house like the the drunk guy or whatever the speech he gave was pretty much summing up the whole film and it's like you can live your whole life thinking one thing but in reality it doesn't matter because at the end of the day it was Beethoven wasn't it's like Beethoven at the end of the day it's not going to matter anymore and then one day someone might whistle it and it'll bring back a memory so it sort of is the relevance of life but then also it's sort of what why why do we find life relevant and I don't know it also just has this underlying theme of like don't hold back in the past look to the future but then also look to the past I don't know it was very confusing it was a it meant I could see that it meant quite a lot and it means different things to everyone I yeah I guess the same sort of thing but maybe from a slightly different perspective every time I watch it it destroys me but it's in a weird way it reminds me that yes I'm going to make lots of mistakes in life yes I might have relationships that break down and fail Yes, I, I might um, I might do things that I regret and people around me might do things that they regret. Um, but in the end, it's not going to matter and it won't ever change everything because in the end, the happy message that nothing matters and we're all going to die one day. We're not bittersweet, but maybe sweet bitter. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I kind of took away similar things to all of you. I think it kind of left me with a like, I don't know, with the thought of, I, I was, I kind of took away a more negative perspective. I feel like I, I just, after watching, I'm always like, God, like life is so pointless. And I remember um, the first time I watched it afterwards, I got a text um, from a friend and I was, uh, I ended up going on to FaceTime with her and the whole call I was, I was just thinking, you know, a couple of years, we might not even be friends. You know, when I'm lying on my deathbed, when you're lying on yours, will you even remember me? You know, will I even remember you? And like, you know, we're on call right now. After Kino Collective's over, I might never speak to you guys ever again. And then when we're all dying, you know, will will the thought of each other ever come into our heads again? Are you drunk? <laughs> 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 Good God, that was. I'm yes, sorry. Uh, I'm so deep. Deep then. We've got to say something happy because we can't end on that. 
I wrote I wrote one note. The last note I wrote was No, don't tell is, us. Don't tell us. Don't tell us what it says on the note. <laughs> oh, okay, I won't, I won't, I won't. <laughs> it's not I don't think it's very heartfelt. This is the first forty five minutes. So I wrote felt like I was watching a Christmas carol, except it was only the ghost of Christmas future, which is just the one that points at stuff. There's <laughs> <laughs> the um, whole film pointing at things. <laughs> Well, he doesn't even back point, to a Christmas Carol up. again. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's just. I love oh the no, let's not go back there. But no, I think, I think it was a pretty good film, but it had its moments where it was a bit, eh, it's a bit iffy. But I think if I watched it again, I'll sort of get more from it. I'd say I don't think I watched it at the right time as well. I think there's a time and a place to watch it, and I wasn't at that time and place, and I didn't really know what I was getting myself into as well. So I think I'll probably end up watching it again one day. Yeah, I think it's definitely one of those films you don't just watch once. Like, you have to go back to it. I agree with that, yeah. Um, I finished watching it for the third time the other day and thought I could just put it on again right now. Okay, thank you very much for listening to this episode. Um, I hope if you haven't seen a ghost story, you are inspired to go and check it out. And if you have seen it, then it gives you a different insight to the film. Um, and we hope to see the rest of the group back soon Um, so on next week's podcast we're actually going to be having another special guest Uh, we're going to be having Jack Hill who is a young Brighton or Sussex based filmmaker Um, and he's going to be choosing our film for next week which will be a surprise until then so make sure you tune in next week and check that out and um, yeah thank you very much for listening to this episode and we'll see you soon